You're listening to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. Our mission is to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own sustainable, wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm so you can live your best life. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here today with Kelly Force, founder and CEO of Force Law Firm. Kelly has been an attorney since 2000, and she and her team have helped hundreds of clients navigate their separation, divorces, child custody, and estate planning matters. And Kelly is a leading collaborative law attorney. Two years ago, she expanded the firm, and while she continues to operate in New York, she's now living and also living and working in Orlando, Florida, and has an office in Celebration. So welcome, Kelly. It's so great to have you on the show. Thanks, Davina. I'm so happy to be here. Great. So why don't we start out? I gave a little, you know, the highlights, but I want to hear about what led up to your being an attorney and then um, creating your own law firm. What was involved in that? Decision? So if you just oh, give my some background okay. about you. Yeah. So I was a paralegal for um, about 10 years. I worked for an attorney. I- I'll tell you, honestly, the um, there was a case where the um, attorney in New York, every uh, every child who is involved in a contested custody matter gets an attorney assigned to them that gets paid mm-hmm. by the state. And so this child had been abused in one household. We were representing the other parent. And um, at the end of the case, the child ended up, the judge sent him back to the abusive household. And I was so outraged by that result. I asked my boss, how did this happen? And he said, well, the attorney for the child just kind of fell down on the job. And I said, okay, Mm -hmm. how do I get to be attorney for the child? He goes, well, first you got to be an attorney, Kelly. (laughs) 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 Okay, then I'm going to law school. And um, that motivated me to, um, so I was 37 years old when I went back to law school. Yeah. Wow, that's and, a very powerful story. That's a very powerful story. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so, so motivated by an individual situation that that right. happened to someone else, you know? That's right. Incredible. So I it was a five year old child with big brown eyes, name was Nicholas. I happened to have at the time a five year old child with big brown eyes named Nicholas. Oh. And so there was a I'm certain uh, there was an emotional kind of attachment that happened at that time. But right. Yeah, it was just a really tragic story. And so I went to law school and, um, you know, graduated, passed the bar in New York. And um, I was supposed to take over the office um, for the attorney I'd been working for, but uh, that did not happen. And I ended up working for a different firm um, for two years. And I was only practicing law for two years when an attorney who was running for judge reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I need someone to take over my practice. If I win, um, how would you like to do that? And I was like, "Um, yeah. So I (laughs) did that. And so I was literally handed a full-blown matrimonial practice. And um, we were doing real estate and estate planning. And so the things that that attorney, now judge, was doing um, ended up being my, my practice. Wow. So I can imagine you probably had a couple of thoughts about that. One is, yay, how exciting I get handed a practice and B, oh my God, (laughs) what do I do now? (laughs) 
Well, you know, it's so funny. I was t- I was just talking to my husband about this this morning because, you know, I'm preparing for this and I'm going, well, this is my my answer. And I realized that, you know, I was, so I'm 40 years old when I start practicing law. And I felt, you know, going to law school with 20-somethings um, at 37, 38, 39, I really felt behind the eight ball. Because, you know, the traditional law student is a pretty brilliant kid, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm smart enough, but I... I never really saw myself that way. So I always Mm. kind of felt like my experience was going to carry me through. And actually starting a practice, to your question, it did. You know, it was very helpful. I had been the office manager um, in in this this attorney's office that got me started. And so I knew how to run the office. I knew how to order supplies. I knew, and having been a paralegal, I knew how to draft documents. I knew, you know, I knew how to do Mm. everything that I needed to know how to do. What I didn't know was about going to court, developing a case, you know, actually being a lawyer. So I felt like I was behind the eight ball. But then when I was talking to my husband about it this morning, he was like, well, you had all this experience. It didn't matter. You know, that didn't matter because it was a different job. Um, And that's one of the things that I struggle with even today is, am I doing the paralegal's job? Should Should I be doing this work? Whatever it is that I happen to be doing, should I be delegating this to someone else? Because it's right. just so comfortable for me to do that work, you know? Yeah. I, so, think, it, I think it's a easy, it's an easy, I think you're not alone in that. Um, I think there are a lot of attorneys who, because they know to do, doesn't necessarily mean it's the highest and best use of their time. But, you know, we right. often think, well, I can just get it done faster. I know how to do it already. Well, it'll go um, faster if I just do it rather than explain it to someone. That's, you know, it's more efficient that way, it yeah. seems to me. But yeah. maybe uh, not, you know, so. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, interesting. You talk about your law school story and starting your firm. I was 38 when I started law school. And so oh, wow, I was 42 yeah. when I started my practice. So I totally relate to what you're saying. You when you have I started to practice right out of law school and I went to law school with that intention. And um, it was, you know, because I had so many years of experience in business, I thought, you know, yeah, this will. I can do this. And in some ways I could. And in other ways, I, you know, had to learn new skills. So I think that's, you know, I can totally understand what you're saying with regard to that. I think we have a leg up being more mature and having more business experience already. And at the same time, you're still a baby lawyer, no matter how old you are, when you start out being that's a lawyer. That's exactly right. And then I, I come to Florida just, you know, four years ago, I came here, studied for the bar, took the bar, started practicing at 58, 59, almost 59 in Florida. And now I'm a baby lawyer again. And I have to say it's much harder this time. Much harder. (laughs) So because it's like, you know, what I'm realizing is that there are so many colloquial things in addition to the difference in law and the difference in procedure. I mean, Florida to me compared to New York is like the wild west in terms of procedure. I, I, it has taken me so long to figure out how to navigate, you know, every judge has a different procedure, their, how motions are handled. It just is so different. Right. And right. yeah. So like in New York, everything is, is the same. It's the same. No matter where you are, everything, you do it the same. 
and you know there's a notice of motion and there's a motion and you you know have to file it in a certain way and it's the same everywhere yeah and here, here county by county different <laughs> procedure so that that has just been just navigating that has been really hard i um, remember when i was uh, yeah i remember when i was um that was one of my mentors told me right away you need to get you need to make sure you go get the local rules wherever you're practicing you got to get the local rules and i'm like wait there are local rules in addition to the law the case law the you know all right. the rules of civil procedure all that now i have to know local rules i have to know what and then in addition to that you've got to know like what this judge likes and what that judge does so it's 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 challenge i mean you know being an attorney and then on top of that when you have your own firm you have the business aspect of it on top know? of it right. right right so that part's easy now i don't worry about that part you know you get your malpractice insurance you find your 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 uh, office space you you know do your budget you do your projections you know i have my sister happens to be my accountant so she's helped me a lot with you know the financial aspect of it you do have to mm -hmm. delegate you know i mean i think that that's a really important aspect of being in business for yourself you cannot do it all yourself and yeah. so, you know, so you just have to know what your strengths are, know what your weaknesses are, delegate to other people the things that are not what you're good at. Um, and then, you know, or so that you need help with whatever. So let's talk about your, how you grew from there. You had your firm, you were kind of handed this firm in New York. And how many years did you uh, work there in New York working with this firm? 15 years. 15 mm -hmm. years. And um, so I was admitted in 2000 and 2015, I met this wonderful guy and um, he actually had a tax, has still a tax practice. He's a tax attorney in Virginia. And so he came to me and we, you know, we had met and dated for a while and said, you know, how'd you like to leave all this? <laughs> Come live with me in Virginia. I was like, and, and at that time, you know, I have to remember this because sometimes I feel kind of sad about it and, and, and unhappy about it. But um, at that time, I was so burned out. I was in that, in that space in my practice. I had made the mistake that a lot of people, a lot of newer attorneys make. Um, and I was taking on these cases that were really hard. I had a lot of 30 something year old um, women, young women with bipolar disorder and, um, you know, by uh, other, I had a few that had, um, oh, just other mental health issues that were really a borderline personality disorder and custody. And people, you know, judges refer, um, tended to refer harder cases to me. Uh, because remember, I started out, what I wanted to do was to be an attorney for children. And that was the very first thing when I got my first job that I got, you know, certified to do. And so I was doing that. And so I think the judges knew that I had that background, that training, that I was really looking toward mm -hmm. not, you know, litigating, helping the people come to resolution for the benefit of their children. Um, and so... Uh, you know, all these really hard cases were coming to me and I was so burned out that, mm -hmm. of course, I was like, yes, yes, I will marry you. Yes, I will move. Yes, I will <laughs> set aside everything that I've worked for for all these years. And I did. Yeah, that. take me away. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And it was great. My kids were grown by then. They had moved away. Um, I have two boys. They live in Denver, Denver and San Francisco. So they're gone. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I've got really nothing keeping me here. My folks are still there, but that's it. And did so you, did you sell that firm? I did not. I gave away whatever clients I had. Um, it's hard to sell a law practice. And, you know, what do you really have? I mean, the clients have to go where you're going to send them anyway. So the better practice, I think, is to give the clients the option of, you know, several attorneys to go to. And, you know, I mean, what is there to sell, really? You know, I just didn't I just didn't think that that was I mean, it was given to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I did not That's do that. Um, I kind of sent all the clients on their way and I, and I started working in my husband's tax office. So I got, um, and for three years I did that. And so I got what most divorce attorneys don't ever get, which is a real in-depth training in, you know, tax preparation and tax law, um, which is value added for my clients because now I can intelligently talk to them about tax consequences in a divorce the, you know, differences in tax treatment, uh, you know, if they have a business or if they have, um, you know, no assets, you know, different, right. uh, different type of tax, you know, uh, capital gains tax or whatever it is that they have to deal with in their divorce. I can talk to them about that intelligently. Mm-hmm. But then um, my husband decided it was time to start looking toward retirement and wanted to buy a home in Florida. And he already had one here. So he and I bought a place in celebration and I decided rather than start practicing in Virginia, I got admitted to practice in Virginia, but um, I decided if we were going to move eventually better to start practicing where I'm going to be long term than start all over and then have to move again. So I got admitted. I had to take the other, another bar exam. (laughs) So I took the Florida bar. And I was able to wave into Virginia, but then I, you know, so I took the Florida bar, mm. uh, failed the first time by one point. Oh my goodness. That's a knife to the heart. Paid multiple <clears throat> thousands of dollars to, mm-hmm. you know, take the bar exam. Cause I'm practice. They do it on a sliding scale. So it's, I've been practicing 15 years or more elsewhere. So they really did not, um, they wanted to charge. They don't want to have people like me coming to Florida. Mm-hmm. And practicing law, and and I get that, you know. So I did it, and took the bar a second time, passed, and now I've opened my practice here. Oh so wow! Still, wow. yeah, and I reopened my New York office. I am um, renting space from a colleague, and I have a paralegal there, and I have a an associate attorney who's on a contract basis there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have cases in New York, and I have cases here, and this COVID thing is really tough because I, with the way Florida is acting, I can't get to New York now. I can't right, really go there and right. come back. Well, let me ask you this. What was it a I'm assuming you probably had the option to retire along with your husband if you wanted to. What was it that sort of made it compelling enough for you to want to go through the Florida bar exam not once but twice to practice? I mean, what is it that, that kind of continues uh, to call to you? Of, a sense of purpose, a sense mm-hmm. of purpose. It, you know, so I was kind of this, like now I've been working my whole life. I mean, I had 
a 10-year career in the restaurant business before I even started working as a paralegal. So I've been working since I'm 14 years old. And I said, you know, I'm, this is just crazy. Me, like, just being a housewife in Florida when my husband isn't even here most of the half of the year. I mean, he goes back to Virginia for tax season, both in the spring and the fall. And, and it was just, it was crazy. So I said, you know, I could certainly stand to have a, you know, retirement that's, that's more sizable and, you know, whatever. So I, I just, I just went back to work. Yeah. Yeah. So you have gotten very involved in collaborative law. um, And tell me about, tell me about that journey and why you chose to pursue that. Well, so, I mean, if you think back to the reason I became a lawyer in the first place, it was really to help kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the collaborative practice for your listeners who might not really know about it is a non-adversarial, respectful process whereby each of the parties has an attorney. And in some um, localities, and in Florida, most localities do um, require that there is also a um, neutral facilitator who is usually a person with a mental health background. um, And there is also a financial professional, um, assuming that the parties have some complex financial issues. Um, I just finished one here in Florida where it was a you know high-level Disney executive and they had stock options and things like that. So we bring mm-hmm. in a financial person and it, there is a commitment by the parties that and, and all the professionals that no one will go to court for any purpose other than to get your final judgment signed, mm-hmm. um, which you, know, you have to have that in order to actually be divorced in the end. And if they do that, they, have, they lose the team. They lose their attorneys. They have to start all over. But yeah, we all sign a participation agreement that we're going to use what's called interest-based negotiations. In other words, we're not, the parties are not taking positions. They're not saying, you know, I want the kid. I want the kid. We talk about, I am interested in being able to have a healthy, happy relationship with my child. Right. I, mm-hmm. So what is their interest? What is, what is your interest in having the child with you? Well, I want to have a good relationship with that child. Right. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's just a really common, very general statement of the difference between a position and an interest. And so, so we use interest-based negotiation and help the parties come to a mutually agreeable resolution of all of the issues in their divorce. And then the attorneys just, you know, draft up an agreement, draft up the judgment papers and submit them to the court. And it's, uh, it's a very peaceable, respectful um, process. So, and it fit, fit right in with my with my um, values as an attorney wanting to help families um, move forward for the sake of their children in a peaceful way. Right, right. And you're actually uh, a member of the Collaborative Family Law Group here in Florida. What uh, the Florida the Orlando, Academy? Of- that's right. So there's the um, Orlando's, the Central Florida Collaborative Organization. I'm a member of that. I'm also a member of the um, Rochester, New York. It's called Clara Collaborative Law Association of the Rochester area. So I am a collaborative attorney in New York and in Florida. And my group here in Florida actually recommended me to be a member of the um, 
Leadership Institute from FACP, the Florida Academy of Collaborative Professionals. And I'm also a member of the IACP, the international group. So, um, so the Leadership Institute has been wonderful. I'm learning more about public speaking, um, in terms of just public speaking, not, mm-hmm. um, presentation in court speaking. Right. And, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's, and, you know, working with a team and working for the benefit of collaborative in general. I, I was um, on the board of the Rochester group. So I've been, I mean, I've been a collaborative attorney since 2006. And I think the first collaborative group in Florida, I, I think it was like 2009 or 2010. It's much later anyway than when I started. So I actually have more experience as a collaborative attorney than most Florida anybody most Florida collaborative professionals so just because I was doing it in New York for years before they started doing it here right right uh, <clears throat> so now tell me about the services that you're offering now because I know you're you're working here in Florida and you still have some cases in New York and you have a team that supports you in both states um, so we're going to get into the team in just a minute but I want to hear you know what you're what you're focusing on now. I know you've, you and I've talked about that you actually are, are kind of becoming the attorney's attorney and doing a lot of work for other attorneys, which I'm sure is really helpful given the years of experience that you bring. Yeah. So when I, when I first, well, I'll talk about that first and then I'll go on to talk about the other things I'm doing. I, um, when I first came to Florida and, you know, I was taking the bar and I was looking for work. And I applied, you know, because I thought, you know, it'd be a good idea for me to work for a firm for a couple of years before I try to just, you know, go out on my own. And I could learn about, you know, Florida procedure and practice um, that way. And I, you know, I think because of my age and the fact that I have so much experience, but am still a baby lawyer in Florida, it I, nobody even responded to me. I bet I sent out 15 to 20, you know, applications, resumes, whatever, mm-hmm. and um, got nowhere. And so I um, started, I actually got um, connected with Stephen Duane, who is the owner of the freelance firm. And for the first year that I was practicing, Steve sent me quite a lot of work, doing work for other lawyers. And that was really helpful because I got to learn, you know, how documents are kind of styled and, and that kind of thing. But um then I have uh, a colleague in Rochester who has started to send me research projects um, on a pretty regular basis. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that. There's one of the collaborative attorneys here in, in uh, Orlando has sent me a couple of projects to work on. So I am really enjoying doing that as a, as a way not only to learn Florida practice and Florida law, um, but it's a it's a good way to in a way give back because of course I'm not charging um, as much as I would charge a normal client. Obviously, the attorneys are able to then bill their clients for my time at whatever rate they want to do that. Um, you know, their own rate or something in between what I'm charging, and but so they can make a little bit of a, a profit on on doing that work mm-hmm. or having having me do that work, whether it's mm-hmm. a research and writing. And on my website, actually, there's a sample. And I'm about to put up another one. I did have my first appeal in New York last year. And the appellate brief is is online. So on my website, 
people can look at that to see my writing style. And I actually won that appeal by a, by a mile. They, they just completely shut down the other side. So that was awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, you know, so the other things I'm doing, I'm certainly still doing the collaborative divorces. I really do not um, intend to do litigated divorces anymore. I, I think that at my stage of life to, um, to learn how to navigate a courtroom and the laws of evidence, the rules of evidence, in addition to everything else, would just be too much. I just, I can't even imagine trying to put mm -hmm. on a trial in a mm -hmm. new state at my age. And, you know, yeah. just no, I'm not going to do that. So I'll continue to, you know, negotiate and collaborate. Um, and if people have mediation that they're in, I'm happy to be the attorney kind of in the background, helping them understand, you know, all the issues that they need to resolve, what, you know, drafting documents, that kind of thing. I, I really enjoy doing that work. Um, and uh, I'm doing some estate planning and probate. I'm really enjoying the probate work. It's, it's you know what, generally, people in life's transitions is kind of where it's at for me. You know, that's right. the kind of the theory of or the philosophy of my of my practice my um my little uh, icon whatever what do you call it yeah yeah so <laughs> is a, you're is a compass <laughs> so it's i want to help you navigate these changes in your life where I'm right going. right so you're um with the way that you're practicing now and the types of cases you're working on um you i imagine that the the pandemic and the subsequent quarantine, and now we're I think we're in phase two where we're going to start seeing you know you know people go back into quarantine and uh, if if they've ever if they've stepped back out at all anyway um, has probably a little bit smoother transition for you because you're not really required to be in court for any you know any anything like a trial or hearings or that kind of thing. So what kinds of things have you done? Have you, is your firm sort of functioning virtually now? Yes, I am. And the next thing that I am doing probably next week, I'll be reaching out and getting the information is to do the remote online notary. Um, New York has issued an executive order allowing people to notaries to, um, you know, notarize people's signatures remotely mm -hmm. now anyway. So I'm good with that. And, you know, I have Zoom and I, you know, I have the technology that I need in order to see people remotely. And I'm educating people about how to, you know, down where the so download the software. And, you know, it's hard for estate planning clients because some of them are, are much older and don't really understand the technology or how to do it. So you have to be good enough at it to be able to help people understand it so they can mm -hmm. actually do it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, that not practicing for those three years while I was working in my husband's office, then coming to Florida and trying to be remote, it was a lot of technology that I had to, um, kind of pick up and learn and think, you know, and plus Florida has e-filing, which New York did not have at the time that I first started practicing in Florida. So I had never done an e-filing anything. Mm -hmm. So learning that system. I mean, there was a lot to learn about it, but I'm doing it. You know, it's, it's, it's okay. I'm getting everything up to speed and I feel like it is up to speed and there's, um, you know, just the remote online notary will be the last thing I think that I need to kind of put in place in order to really be fully remote, um, wherever, 
wherever I'm practicing. Do you imagine, do you imagine yourself sort of staying remote? Yeah, or, I do. Yeah, why, why I do. do you think that? Yeah, I just changed my arrangement in my office so that I'm, um, it's more of a virtual type of arrangement and, you know, costing me a lot less. I have a lovely office in my home, so there's plenty of room here. My assistant, my office assistant is working remotely out of a room in her home. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be working so far. And yeah. so why, you know, why pay the extra rent? I mean, unless I really get so busy, which could happen, I, that's what happened in New York. I got so busy. I just had to grow and hire more people. But, um, here, if that happens, uh, then I'll, you know, look at that and figure out, okay, now I need more, now I need space. Now I need people. Now I need to, you know, really have an, an office. But so far it's just been a perfect size and the business is coming that needs to come and I'm, I'm doing great. So your, uh, tell us about your team and have you had, have you noticed any particular challenges with, uh, managing your team with having, yeah. you know, having somebody in New York and somebody in Florida and, you know, what a great question. Well, the first thing I did when I started the firm a year or two years ago um, was as I got people, as once I had everybody on board, and I guess that was about a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. I had a big meeting with all the staff. We did a virtual, you know, a big Zoom meeting. I was in New York, actually, for the meeting, and my assistant here got on virtually and uh, here in Florida. So. Um, I just, you know, kind of laid out my firm's um, goals and um, just, you know, what to expect and, you know, all the kind of personnel things, you know, the, the office procedures and, um, you know, when we are off and vacation pay, you know, that kind of thing. And um, got everybody kind of on the same page, introduced everybody to each other. And the girls are all, I call them the girls, they're all working really well together. Um, if one of them, he has a question for the other one, they're just communicating between themselves. I find out about it later sometimes. Um, and so I just, I feel like I've put together a really nice team. I have an associate attorney in Rochester. I have a paralegal who was my paralegal has agreed to come back and she's just part-time. She works for another attorney part-time and she's working for me part-time. And so she does all my, you know, drafting, running things, you know, running, air, getting things filed where they need to be and served and that kind of thing. And then I have um, the assistant office assistant here who same thing. I have her, you know, doing some drafting of documents, putting systems in place, um, that kind of thing. So I have um, my Florida assistant doing more of the office manager work because she's here and I'm here. So what so, are some of, and uh, you've been in, ha, what year did you own your own practice? Was it 2000 that you started your own practice? 2002. Or, or got the other practice? It, well, I started practicing in 2000. I had a job out of law school. Um, and then I um, worked for them for two years before the attorney running for judge asked me to take over his practice. So that was in November of 2002. So I guess two and a half years, I worked for someone yeah. else and then I started my yeah. own my firm took over his. So what do you think, what do you think are some of the key lessons you have learned in the years that you've been practicing since 2002 to, to, to date? What have you 
what have been what have been your biggest challenges and what do you think have been your biggest lessons uh well you know i thought about this question a lot because um when you internalize what you've learned you don't really think about that that much but i think one of the things that has been the the best advice the best thing i've i've figured out for myself or people have advised me is that you cannot and sh you should not take every case that comes in the door. Um, right. There are going to be people who will challenge every cell in your body. And um, it's really important. So I mentioned I was in the restaurant business before I started practicing law. And I think from doing that, I really got to recognize, you know, certain characteristics in people and I got I just got to get a, a good read on a, a read on people as I as I met them. And so I think I have made the mistake of ignoring that knowledge, that deep knowledge that women have. Um mm -hmm. and saying, okay, this is a person who's coming into me with a, you know, X dollar retainer. I'm gonna work my way through it and I will tell you that is always a mistake right um so that's one that's yeah, one that's great advice that's great advice yeah I think you just gotta trust your gut you know women have you know I, I do believe that this is true now this may be I, I don't like to talk in generalizations let me just say that but I do believe that women have an intuition that um, you know, was given to us by whatever our maker, and it, you know, it kind of compensates for the brawn, right? That most of us don't have. And so, I I do think that women cheat themselves when they don't follow their intuition. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I think it's really, really important to believe in yourself, believe in your own ability to know what's right for you, and, and do that. Right. Right. That's great. That's great advice. Um, so tell us where can we find out more information about you or get in touch with you um, if we want to maybe reach out to you to hire you to do some work for us or just get to know you and pick your brain a little bit on what it's like to have a practice Absolutely. for so long. Yeah. And, you know, just so people know, I am more than happy to mentor um, new lawyers to help, you know, in whatever way that I possibly can. So my website is www.kellyforcedlaw.com and it's K-E-L-L-Y, only one E in there, and it's forced, F-O-R-S-T, law.com. And um, yeah, so they can go on my website. People can um, send me a message there. Uh, there's information. Oh, like I said, that uh, sample of um, that appellate brief is on my website. My phone number's on there. You know, everything Great. that they would need to get in touch me, with me is there. Great. Thanks, Kelly. I really appreciate it. And thanks so much for being here today and sharing Thank your experience you. with us and some of the lessons you've learned along the way. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful to be here. Great to get to know you too, Davina. Thanks for all that you do for everybody. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. At Wealthy Woman Lawyer, we help women law firm owners build profitable, sustainable, wealth-generating law firms without overwork or overwhelm, so you can live your best life. If you are ready to create more of what you desire most in your business and your life, 
Then you'll want to sign up now for our free training, Seven Shifts to Create a Wealth-Generating Law Firm Without Killing Yourself in the Process. Register now at WealthyWomanLawyer.com slash training to receive this free training immediately. And thank you for listening to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast.